Welcome to the Limerick Voice Features Podcast, brought to you by Limerick Voice and presented by me, Katie Flannery. Limerick's father, Chris O'Donnell, recently appeared in RTE documentary, The Confessors. The documentary centred around confession, but also discussed the history of the Catholic Church in Ireland. I spoke with Father Chris about his part in the production, got his views on the ever-changing tide of the church and asked him how the church is adapting under current COVID-19 restrictions. Hey, so uh, Father Chris, you're the parish priest in Kilmallock and you featured in a documentary which aired on RTE recently. Um, so would you like to talk a bit about that or tell us what it was about? Right. Firstly, I better say I'm not the parish priest in Kilmallock or I'll be shot, uh, but I'm an assistant priest out here. And the documentary, Katie, was just looking at confession. Uh, the, the actual man, Alex, who created the documentary, shared a story with me how his son was making first communion and he in in that process you make your first confession and he was very struck by how how that was and he realized god there's something very special that happens in this and it's going to be lost because it's kind of like a, a lost practice so i naturally was happy to just be interviewed by him and obviously in these things then he he used whatever bits of the interview helps the bigger picture as such you know so i suppose it's just looking at confession as a sacrament as i see it of healing and letting go and finding peace and kind of nearly counseling in and of itself though often confession is something people have very dark views of and i get that i was one of those people but at the heart of it it's about unburdening people and kind of saying listen you are loved you are cherished that's what it's about just finding peace and healing by letting go of the things that come between us you know yeah and you you said actually you you didn't actually see the documentary last week night i wouldn't be able like i will watch it in my own time but i was just going oh my god what did i say i could have said anything i speak too freely sometimes so like I was there going, oh, Jeannie, I couldn't cope. I'm not great for uh, anyway any bit of attention. So uh, I just didn't watch it, which people are finding a bit bizarre. Cause <laughs> well, it was it in my own life. Now that now that I know, I've said nothing that was uh, would have me excommunicated. Like you know, so it's fine. not at all. Well, I think that I suppose Twitter was actually it was all very positive, and I suppose you know how Twitter can be in reactions. But it was it was definitely largely positive, and I mean you haven't seen it, but it did touch on a number of things that you wouldn't really normally hear priests say um it touched on things like i suppose sexuality and celibacy and female priests and and things like that so do you think that that's a good discussion to open up between parishioners and and clergy do you think it's a good a good topic well anything like anything that gets people talking can be good you know but so yeah anything to be honest anything that would help people just rethink it a little and so if the program did that in certain quarters the other issues are side issues to confession to be honest they're they're issues that will always be throughout the church you know what i mean so and they're always good to to kind of chat through i wouldn't have thought confession would be kind of the sacrament through which those kind of topics come up but to be honest if you talk about anything church they will be the that's okay yeah and just as well i suppose 
there was a lot of younger priests on on it as well. I know I know like yourself, and there was another another man from Antrim, and it was kind of I suppose you were labelled as kind of the cool priest because you had your Limerick half zip on, and you know he was a younger guy as well, and and he really enjoyed his music. Do you think that it is a avenue that I suppose uh, that is unexplored by younger people today? Well, of course, uh, the world we live in is a very different world, you know, uh, and I need to point out, like, I, I'm regularly pointing out a couple of things. I'm not young and I'm not cool. Uh, I just am unkept, really, you know, and so, but yeah, like, this isn't a route that people will will think of anymore. I suppose our world offers a lot more options than it previously did. Faith and church isn't top of a lot of people's radar, and that's understandable. The culture we're in doesn't kind of paint the church as a, a healthy institution that you know to be part of and so i get all that so it's very understandable that very few lads join and to be honest with the declining numbers like the church will will decline on certain fronts as well you know but look if it brought people in because the church is people it shouldn't be like just priest about the priests or the religious or the nuns anyway Ultimately, 97% of the church are lay people. And ideally, as a church, if it's to continue, you'd love it to be led by lay people anyway, you know. So, like, there's always, in the midst of what looks like uh, disappointments, there can be opportunities as well, you know. So, But it's totally understandable that people mightn't feel drawn to it. And people would say to me, you know, oh, it would be different if priests could be allowed marry or whatever, you know. But... To be honest, I, I don't know. The lifestyle that we lead, you know, if I had a wife, she'd be killing me, like, you know, mm. rightly so. She'd be going, where are you? You know, so, <laughs> like, there are a few factors people that kind of say, oh, if this happened and this happened, maybe you'd have more priests. But ultimately, we, it's the lifestyle that we lead isn't probably going to be appealing to people, you know, on, on many fronts, because it's quite full on, you know, it can be very full on, you know, so that's it. Do you think that maybe, even though, you know, your wife would be killing you, but do you think that maybe a few years down the line that probably inevitably there will be a bit of a change just on the whole, the, the priest allowing to allow to get married? Um, it might be something, you know, you'd want to do yourself, but do you think that maybe in 10 years or yeah, 20 no, years it's, it's going to be on the table? Well, look, I always remember a good uh, a friend from college, sadly, his died since whenever people would ask him, do you think priests should be allowed to marry, Father? which is something a priest is asked at the end of every wedding anyway. You know, at, at a wedding reception, at some point, someone strolls over and goes, I've always said that priests should be allowed to marry. And my poor friend, God rest him, would have his answer when someone said, do you think priests should be allowed to marry? He says, they should, of course, but only if they really love each other. That was his answer. And everyone used to be really thrown going, what did he actually say that? So he was just messing. But the reality is, yeah, that things will evolve. And like I say, yeah, married clergy maybe in the future women priests these may happen in time you know guided by spirit and all that the church changes slowly at the best of times so it, like sometimes you go god that's it's sad that it does it takes time to change but also if it changes too quickly that might be too you know it's a catch-22 because if you change too quickly you might feel like you're pulling the rugs out from people as well so those things will change Will it still draw people to the priesthood, the, the lifestyle? I'm not 100% sure, but it might do. You know, we've there's deacons, married deacons, working in various dioceses in the church, and it seems to be going okay for them. So look, we'll hold out hope, you know.
exactly well there was a, a part in it and you know it was actually uh, you were a part of it as well um it was just showing how the church is adapting to covid and it was it was such a bizarre thing to see you it was quite funny in some way there was a priest he was from dublin and he was saying he just have to stream his mass you know much like you all do and he was saying you know he has to worry not to knock on the filters or he might have he might be saying mass and he might have dog ears on him or fireworks flying out the back of him so is it something that you've had to really adapt to quickly because i know in previous interviews you said you haven't you weren't actually on facebook before this yeah oh god like it's been a fierce steep learning curve but the reality is you know you did it with a heart and a half because i know that if we don't do this like i know maybe there'd be a lot of younger people who, who kind of they won't feel they need church and so on and you know you have to respect and understand all that but you knew that there would be a strong part of the con of, of, of our population who need it and i was like we can't kind of in a very difficult moment in our lives we can't not find ways and it's some hope and comfort and light. So yeah, Facebook suddenly became a new thing on my phone and the very phone that I'm chatting on to now has been this my my outlet. I would never have forgotten it. And I have had nightmare after nightmare. I've, I know when you mentioned filter there, I have had my filter disaster. So one Sunday, I with a friend because I used to work with young people. So I like, I love working with young people. They're great. And they I learned, look, you can put a filter on and stuff i sound like a dinosaur now sorry but so anyway i was fine i practiced it uh, and then on one sunday the very filter that was just a set of glasses and a dicky bow harmless just to engage the local children i couldn't find it and then i put on one and i'm literally speaking at my way through it because it's dead air if you don't and i'm looking through this selection of filters that i've never seen before and just looking for something harmless and i thought I landed on what was a Lego man. And I said, ah, sure, look, a Lego man. How harmless could this be? Anyway, I clicked that, went the other side of the camera, and thankfully it played music. And I realized at that point it was actually a Chinese man filter, you know? So I was like, oh, good God, I practically created a, a kind of an old uh, international incident. So look, I've had disaster after disaster, but you're willing to go through it just to try and reach out, so it's fine. Exactly, technical issues, I suppose. But, um, you know, I wonder as well on the streams, can you see how many people are watching? Do you know how many people are watching? Are people connecting? Yeah. In? Oh, yeah. Look, I can't remember. Like, for example, like we, we put, I put the rosary now this evening and the rosary, like during the height of the pandemic, the rosary could have up to 200 people viewing it live. A lot of people will look at, at it after then. And then we also have the capacity where people can look at it via our website. So you're never actually too sure how many are live, but equally we've people with parish radios who are listening. So that that would be just the rosary mass. Like this morning, there might've been about 180. During the pandemic on weekends, the numbers, like at the height of it, we were putting on a family mass. So there was a lot of people, like people you wouldn't expect. And I, sat, I felt all the time too, it was actually nearly more important for people, Irish people abroad, because they were the ones who, you know yourself, you don't want to be away from family during difficult times and you need the security, that sense of home. And actually so many of people from 
the Kilmallock area and beyond where I'm working, we're checking in just for that sense of the familiar and the local. So yeah, it's widespread, like, and that's the wonder of social media, I suppose, you know. Mm. And I'm sure it's great as well for the likes of funerals and that, that people can't get to, and I'm sure it's very important to people. I'm sure there's a lot of people of a certain age, maybe, or just that they don't have tech or they don't know how to use tech. Mm. There was a priest and he was in the documentary and he was going around to houses and he was on his bike and he had his holy water and he was he was kind of standing two meters apart but he was blessing the house and he was going around and, and uh, meeting people and he said that yeah. he met an old man and the man was crying because he was just so happy to see someone and just so happy to I suppose have mass brought to him again or some form of, of his yeah. faith brought to him is there are you doing anything like that or is there anything you're trying to do to kind of make sure you get the marginalized people yeah well what happens is katie i suppose and we really need to keep what you've said in mind and particularly younger people who are tech savvy so many people have been brought up to speed like myself so quickly because of young people being very generous and grandchildren go listen we'll get this set up because you know yourself you go if i get granny set up on mass that's her sorted a few times a day on a comfort front, you know, and that's massive, you know. So, yeah, what my concern, my priority was locally at the start. Well, wasn't really so much those with the Internet, but like local people who wouldn't have had technology at all. So we were getting fixing parish radios that we had, getting parish radios out to people. That was the goal, you know, so that was number one. Then there's like through sickness and funerals, you will have a lot of contact with people anyway. So, but you would be surprised the number of people who are now online who weren't before. But we do have to keep stressing, even as a diocese, we were putting a prayer leaflet together and things like that. So people would have something, you know, so it's important that we keep those people in mind, you know yeah yeah looking after each other and there was a another very uh kind of i suppose a, a a sad moment in a way in the documentary and there was a priest and he was from west cork and he was saying that sometimes he's he's kind of worried or scared to wear his collar out because one of his friends was was actually in limerick and he got shouted at and he got called names and you know obviously that priest and and and, and most priests they kind of do have to fall burden to being called you know names and and things like that so is that something as well that you feel like is is a bit of a burden sometimes or, or something that you're uh, a bit scared of well katie yeah it's it's a burden for me it's it's my burden is very small compared to the burden of those who've ever been abused you know and and i'm not just talking about the abuse any abuse you know so like it's it's something that hangs heavy on us mm. and on one level it should hang heavy if I, I people who've suffered that pain and i would feel sad and sick and that that pain was inflicted on them because the pain causes is just second you know like it's there are no words and like it's just not only does it do physical emotional and mental it does spiritual abuse too because it just it turns people's lives upside down. And you know yourself, a childhood is forever, you know? So mm. yeah, that is, that, is, that is a cloud over what we do. I, I know what you've mentioned there. I've had that scenario where I've been called various names because of, you know, people associated with what we do, you know? And like, that's, that's a very sad part of, of, of our history. And also, I suppose, our culture and even our present, not just this church, but in general. Sadly, I work in safeguarding children and, 
and it means that I'm often giving training around, you know, how to, to safeguard children and people and so on. Sadly, like the biggest thing, like, I know this will sound, this is not diverting. I would love if in our, our world, sadly, people just were conscious that abuse happens and actually not just priests. My fear is that some people could be getting away with horrendous crimes because people aren't looking out for them either and they're putting their children at risk. The only people I suppose people feel they need to protect their children from are us. And, you know, I, I, you just, I just worry because it's just when you've worked in that area, you just see the trauma of it. So look, we work amidst that cloud and it's just, as I say, whatever pain or sadness we suffer, we cannot compare it to, you know, it's not, you know, you just can't compare it to what people go through. So we just have to try and be the best we can in what we do and make sure that our current system does not leave anybody vulnerable or exposed to this, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was actually the sentiment that was very consistent throughout the documentary. There was a lot of, uh, I suppose, addressing things and and it really did open up a, a conversation, I think. And I suppose to see how the church is adapting and everything during COVID as well is is, is a great thing to see. So is there anything that you are hoping to, to do to accomplish moving forward now with this year, next year, although we are under constraints with COVID-19? Yeah. What's, what's yeah. next? Well, for us now, we're kind of back into putting in a timetable of, of liturgies. So things that we were doing during the height of the lockdown, we're starting to re-implement them, for want of a better word. So back to masses every morning on Facebook Live, rosary every evening, and night prayer at stages, you know. So that's our goal. You mentioned funerals, trying to make sure we help people connect, but also sickness and like there's still weddings happening, but most are being cancelled. So there's just an awful lot of sadness, an awful lot of sadness. And we're trying to where we can minister to people in the midst of it, you know, so it's tricky times. And I can tell you, Katie, the worst of this is sadly any families who've experienced bereavement, you know, I, if I could ask the government to change one rule or the HSC, if people were never, weren't allowed to daily mass for a good while, we'll suffer that. But I just wish they could up the number of people allowed to a funeral. Because I think you can do that safely. I'm not being reckless. But even if from 25 to 50, most churches could house 50 safely, very safely. Because I think there's going to be massive grief that is not finding its its normal paths to be expressed or, or relieved. And I, I'm tired of walking outside of church and seeing as many people in deep grief outside the church as the 25 who are inside. So look, that's the world we're, we're ministering in and we have to try and be hopeful and positive. But I keep going, if I'm only a small kind of little cog in a wheel out here and I go, if there was one rule above anything, because I've just seen the trauma that small funerals is doing to so many families, you know. So not a very hopeful message to be saying to you, but like, of course, in these things, I'll, I'll give you a bit of hope in it. Like we, I'm always encouraging people. I can't believe it's me encouraging mm-hmm. people to say, would you think of putting it on Facebook Live? And they're looking at me going, seriously. But I just know that if we can get as many people connected to whatever grief, the better because at least they'll find an avenue for their grief. I've had a son in England through technology. I got him to email me a re- him doing a reading. I got him to email me him giving a eulogy. And 
I played it over my iPad. You know, so there is hope. But, you know, my ideal hope would be have more people in the church. But when they can't, I've had a, a godson of a, a gentleman out here uh, sing the psalm from Belfast. He emailed it to me. So look, there, I suppose, signs of hope. We'll always try and find hope in the midst of these trying times. Because if we can't, we can't really. If we don't do that, we can't really call ourselves Christian, you know. Well, that's a perfect note to leave things on. So uh, thank you. Thanks a million oh, thank for doing you. this. And. No uh, yeah, thank you so much.